What's going on, everybody? This is John with the NRSNG.com podcast. Today, we are talking to Senator O'Donnell from South Dakota. Not only is she a senator, but she's also enrolling in a second degree BSN program. So in August, she starts her career and her journey into nursing. So this is a really fun episode. We talk about uh, her journey into nursing, the, the mesh of politics and nursing, how we can all get involved in politics with nursing, why we should get involved, and just the whole journey of nursing and, and her decision to become a nurse and why she would leave politics to become a nurse. So this is a really fun episode. I hope you guys take some of the tips uh, and tricks that she learned and that she's gained throughout her journey in both politics and now in nursing. Uh, and and that, that helps you become a better nurse and a more involved nurse in, in this community of nursing. So I really want to thank Senator O'Donnell for taking time out of her schedule to come on the show and to talk about her journey. And I'm so excited for her. It's very clear she's going to be a very successful nurse, uh, both in nursing school and then as her in her journey as a nurse. But before we get started, guys, I want to remind you once again to head over to nrsng.com slash freebies. Put your email in there and we will send you our weekly Friday freebies. These are cheat sheets, reference sheets, worksheets, all kinds of helpful tools that are going to that are gonna help you uh, throughout your life as a nurse, okay? Even if you're a practicing nurse right now, I would suggest getting these. Uh, if you're just getting started in nursing school or thinking about nursing school, I would get on this uh, email list and join our community of nurses, our family. So thanks so much for being here today and we will talk to you soon. I'm Angie Buell O'Donnell. Uh, I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is the largest city in a state of, a uh, pretty small state of 800,000 people. Uh, so it feels like everybody kind of knows each other sometimes. Um, I am currently a state senator. I'm in my sixth year representing uh, District, District 15, which is in the uh, center of Sioux Falls. Um, I've been doing that, uh, like I said, for six years. I ran for office at the age of 25. Oh my so gosh. apparently kind of a late bloomer. <laughs> Uh, and you know, I had thought about running for office off and on. Um, there were a couple reasons I didn't, which we can get into, uh, mm-hmm. but eventually I kind of jumped in with both feet, um, got to do lots of really cool things in that role. Um, it's a great experience for anyone who likes to learn about lots of different things, which is definitely me. Um, and, uh, I ended up pursuing my, uh, BSN. So I'll be starting that full time this August and, uh, that's kind of got its own, Kind of separate, but kind of intertwined journey as well. Awesome. So was this your first, uh, like, parlay in politics? Was senator? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> South Dakota is kind of a weird state where you don't – it's got kind of a fast ladder where you don't have <laughs> to necessarily run for school board or mm-hmm. uh, local office before that. Um, lots of people do, and that's great. But because we're so small and our districts are so small, it's not unheard of for uh, the state legislature to be your first go. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. Yeah. And so what, uh, so you did that for six years and then what was, what made the click in your mind of like, I should try nursing or how long did you think about that? So I have been interested in healthcare my whole life. Um, I had a major surgery when I was nine. And so I spent five days in a children's hospital and I was just fascinated. Hmm. Um, and so I have every since then, whenever I go to the doctor, I'd always been like, Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. (laughs) And, um, as a child, I was really interested in the science part of it, too. My mom actually got her bachelor's later in life, and so she was taking college biology when I was in, like, fifth grade, mm-hmm. and she brought home a fetal pig for us to dissect together, oh, gosh. <laughs> which sounds a little weird, but mom. I was super yeah. excited about it. I was the kid who you couldn't peel away from her microscope at home, so nice. um, I had loved it, and I had graduated high school thinking I was going to be a psychiatrist because I had the idea that the only real thing to do in healthcare was to be a doctor. 
mm-hmm. um, because you have the kind of Hollywood mentality, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so I had done that and I got into the chemistry and that was just really hard. And so I was like, nope, healthcare is done. I didn't really take a good look at anything else in healthcare, which I kick myself now for so hard. (laughs) Um, And so I had kind of explored other things like music therapy. And that's how I got into politics was just kind of trying on those different hats. Hmm. And at some point, my junior year, my first degree program, um, I was like, man, I really should have looked harder at nursing. And, you know, is that really a possibility? And then I said, nope, you're 23. You are too old. That <laughs> ship has sailed. It's time to just get out of here and get out in the world and work. So it's so funny now to be looking back on that as a second bachelor student at 31 mm-hmm. and think that I thought I was old then. Um, so it took a little bit of time to kind of mentally adjust myself to not having Uh, to kick myself too hard and just kind of accept that this is a path that a lot of people take um, and just take it as it is. No, you you said so much there that sounded similar to my journey too, because when I first, I I actually remember, I hadn't thought about this in years, but my grandpa was a high school science teacher and I remember him bringing home a heart, you know, and like, I was like fascinated with that. And then like over my sixth grade summer, I wrote like a five page report just for fun about like the human brain. And I, like, I don't even know why. And then I never really looked at science again until probably my junior year in college. And I took an anatomy class on accident. It was like, this is cool. But then, yeah, like the only thing I thought you could really do in healthcare was was a physician. Yeah. And I was like, man, I don't want to spend all that time. I'm not going to have any family time. And then I found PA and I thought PA would be great. And then I don't but for whatever reason, another five years fast forward and I finally went into nursing. Um, and couldn't be happier, but yeah, for whatever reason, I just fought against it for years and years and years and finally did it. No, yeah. You just said a lot there that really seemed like my journey. And I, oh yeah, like you said, uh, it took you time to realize a lot of people go in second degree. Mm. Uh, yeah. And, and, uh, there was, there was a lot of my life too, where I was like, maybe I'm too old in nursing. Maybe I'm too old. And finally, you know, at 30 years old, I graduated with my, with my BSN. So good for you. So what what motivated you to to leave politics? Like how did Well, uh it was partly out of financial necessity to be honest. Um in South Dakota it's a really part-time job to be a legislator. Oh, okay. Uh it's just January to March and we make a whopping $6,000 a year. Oh, so gosh. you really have to have some something else propping you up unless you're rich or retired or have some way to become self-employed. Um so I had when I first ran I ran in a primary and I had some savings because the job that I was at at the time when I had been working in nonprofits and doing some advocacy. So I had some um, connections and some savings. So I said, you know what, I'll get through the primary. Um, I've got the savings. And then, you know, when that's done, who wouldn't want to hire a state senator, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really long list of who doesn't want to hire a state <laughs> senator. It turns out like 50 places I applied were either just nervous about having someone who had to talk to the media Um, or who might have to take votes that would be awkward for that employer or just didn't want to deal with the logistics of having someone be gone. So um, I had just kind of taken whatever I could do. I sold insurance for a while. I worked at call centers, um, but I was really never, and I couldn't see a path to making anything more than like $30,000 a year. And so that kind of was me running into this need to pull off the bandaid and figure out some need to go back to school. And so I had been on the fence for a while between nursing school because I had a lot of friends in healthcare too. And I um, kind of found that interesting. I had a PA friend as well. And uh, so I was thinking about that or law school. 
And I looked at the lawyers I knew and I looked at the nurses I knew (laughs) and the nurses were a heck of a lot happier. And in South Dakota, they started a higher salary, which is amazing. Um, And I think it's a lot of places. And so it kind of answered the question for me because I knew I'd be equally happy doing both. Um, And so my next answer was just to make sure that I could do all the parts of nursing, even the icky parts. (laughs) So I hadn't worked in healthcare yet. And so I um, got a job as a tech at one of our local hospitals. And I worked in an orthopedic unit for about a year. And that was my answer. I mean, from day one, I mean, mm. the the job wasn't easy. I mean, it was, I wish I had a Fitbit then because I would have been tracking my steps oh, yeah. and probably did 30,000 steps in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and just all that heavy lifting and all of the gross stuff. But um, I knew I was where I was supposed to be. So that answered that question for me definitively. Um, and now I work at a uh, psychiatric hospital on a children and adolescent unit. So I get to work with kids all day long. Um, I get to help people who are really in that crisis moment. And so that has, if I need it solidifying, that has solidified that I'm on the right path, that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, um, even if it's hard, even if it's all of those things that we know that are challenging, um, that I'm glad that I've answered before school. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I wanted to do that was, as I mentioned, my mom got her bachelor's later in life and she got it in elementary education because that had been her passion for a really long time. And she got out of school and three months later decided, decided that teaching was not going to be what she wanted to do. And I was like, I can't go through all of this work and all of this education and find out then that there's some big aspect of this that I don't like or can't do. <laughs> so I needed to get those off the checklist and off my mind before I jumped in. So, um, that was kind of what pushed me in that direction. Uh, part of the ball got started rolling though. When I met my husband, we met online because <laughs> we're nerds. Um, <laughs> and he was uh, in the process of coming home from his initial entry training for the army and his brother and his brother's wife were both nurses. And so he had decided that that was probably the route he wanted to go was going to nursing school. Huh. And I find myself being really jealous. And oh. I was like, I want to go to nursing school, darn it. Like, <laughs> and I had put up this mental block that like I couldn't. And then I realized there was nothing stopping me anymore. So I was like, it's time to go. So there I was. No, that's I, I love how analytical the decision was for you. Uh, because I think, you know, a lot of us go into nursing like I want to help people. I want to save lives and. And that is that is a part of the job, but you're right. There's a lot of stuff about the job that's just really, really hard. Um, and I, so I think it is good to approach it from that analytical side, like how much money am I going to make? Um, am I going to actually enjoy going to work or am I going to be able to wipe a butt or not, you know? Uh, and because that's part of the job. That's just part of it. No matter where you work in the hospital, you're going to wipe a butt or two, you know? Um, yep. And you have to be able to deal with that stuff. But, you know, I like how you approached it. Like, can I deal with that? to be able to do what I really want to do, you know, even though I really want to do this, like every job has parts of it that suck, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I love how you approached it so analytically. Cause again, that's kind of how I approached it too. I, and I did, I looked at law school for a long time too. I have two siblings that are lawyers and, uh, I got an LSAT prep book, prep book and everything. And same thing. I looked at my siblings. I looked at the lawyers that I knew and I looked at starting salaries also. And I was like, man, this is kind of a terrible job, yeah. you know? And at the end of the day as nursing, I get to come home and, and I get to have some of those cool stories, you know, that I heard my friends telling and, you know, with law, I didn't feel like I got that. And yeah, the starting salaries, like it's, it's not that great. No. And, and with nursing, I mean, within a couple months, you can do things and work nights and do stuff where you can, you can actually make really good money, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, and, go ahead. And it, it's obviously not just about that. Cause I don't want to make it sound like, no. 
it, it's for money. You should totally go to nursing because you make <laughs> money. But I, I think you're right. Those analytical pieces are important. And um, I forgot what I'm going to say now. Shoot. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a really important piece. And I, I still think that would be fascinating if I had all the time and money in the world. I would probably do both. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, in South Dakota, our lieutenant governor is both a nurse and a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And I've told him that that I think would be the coolest thing to possibly be is a combination in terms of what you kind of get to think about in your day to day. Uh, but certainly not worth the extra headache and expense and delayed time from just being a grown-up who works. <laughs> you know, I, I need to have somebody on the podcast that talks about this, but have, have you heard of Legal Nurse Consult? No. So Legal Nurse Consult, it's a totally separate certification that you can get, and it, you have to have a few years' experience in a specialty area, but then you can start consulting on cases with attorneys and you know malpractice cases or whatever it is. They bring in you know the expert witness, which would be you as the nurse, and you come in and you work with attorneys, you work with the, the law case, and, and you get to kind of do that law side of nursing. So that, that might be worth really fun. Yeah. And I actually just saw another little advertisement for a company that uh, helps with certification for it yesterday. So it might, it's something I looked at also because I think that'd be a lot of, it, it'd be a side of nursing that you really don't get to see, like the legal side of it once people are out of the hospital and all that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that might be something worth checking out. I should get somebody on here to talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, I think the I think the certification is LNC, something like that. It's legal nurse consult. And they usually, you know, after five, ten years experience, once you really know what you're doing, um, that that's a certification that might really pay off. And it's supposed to pay really well too. So there's the analytical side for it. See, this is what I love about nursing. I mean, I picked it partly too because I'm not the kind of person who's ever gonna work the same job for thirty years. Like exactly. that, I haven't done it yet. That's not gonna be me magically when I turn thirty-five or whatever. Um, so I wanted to be able to have lots of those things and lots of those options without having to totally switch everything in my mm-hmm. life. So um, I just love that about it. And that that is the awesome thing about it. When I when I first what finally got me to go to my first day of nursing school was the thought of being a CRNA. You know, I really loved the idea of mm-hmm. intubation and vasoactive drips and all that stuff and so that's what got me into nursing. But here I am several years later and I'm doing education, you know, and that, and that's just how it is. Like you, you find the path that works for you. And when the time came to apply to CRNA school, I wasn't as interested and that was yeah. fine. You know, my, my path had taken me another route and that's what, that's what is cool about it. You can be an educator, you can be, you know, doing the legal stuff. You can be working on the floor management, anything with nursing. So I that's what I love about it. Yes. So let's talk about that for a second. Then let's talk about, you know, what you want to do once you finish nursing school, where are you thinking about working? I am not sure yet. I, from having been in a more medical floor, I think I want to do that, but I'm just trying to keep an open mind through clinicals um, because I came into that first job having had no healthcare experience and there were so many avenues of nursing that I had never heard of because you wouldn't hear them unless you're already doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like wound care, um, like being a pick nurse, all of those things sound fascinating to me and I have to imagine there'll be more that I encounter like this. Um, through my clinical process. So I just kind of want to keep an open mind mm-hmm. to um, to not set that. And then I, Sioux Falls actually, um, as a handy fact, has the highest per capita number of nurses in the country right now. Really? Because we have two ginormous hospital systems and a whole bunch of nursing programs and a lot of people like to stay here. Mm. So um, we still have a shortage, but it's uh, a place to be where you're not as not getting as competitive of wages as other states. So um, I kind of want to explore being in other places possibly mm-hmm. since I can't run for re-election because of school. So um, things are a little bit open. So cool. 
that's a very long answer to, to no, that's say awesome. that I have no idea. Good. I think that's good. And it, so is your husband a nurse too then? Uh, not yet. Not so yet. he had, um, he deployed to Afghanistan in 2013. Okay. Um, and he had started school uh, when he graduated college, like back in 2009. Um, and it didn't go particularly well the first time just because mm-hmm. he wasn't really sure what he wanted to do. So now mm-hmm. he's waiting until he's absolutely sure. Um, he was a tech actually for a little bit at the same time that I was and didn't have the greatest experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, uh, I think the male techs in his floor got kind of picked on a little bit sometimes. Mm. Um, so he just was kind of turned off by that. And we've had lots of the conversations about how there's so many different things to do as a nurse, but, um, he wants to find something that'll involve helping people and getting to use his skill set. So it's just trying to figure out what all that means now. So, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, so if there are any CNAs listening, I know we get a lot of CNAs and stuff that listen. And I, I really think that being a tech is probably like the hardest job in the hospital. Um, because I think you get very little recognition and you do the hardest parts of the job. You know, I mean, as nurses, it can get, and and this, you know, as nurses, a lot of times we can complain, well, I got to bathe my patient. I got to bathe my patient. I got to change my patient. And that's like what a tech does all day. You know, we complain about having to take one blood sugar or give one bath and they're running around sweating, taking care of 30 patients. So being a tech is a really hard job and I have a lot of respect for it. Um, but it it is very different from being the nurse. So, but yeah, I think it's really good to get in there and get that experience to see what a hospital is all about. Um, Cause there's no better way to see it and see if you can manage it than doing that part of the job. Absolutely. Um, I, I was so interested to see when I was a tech, um, the difference between the students who had obviously had some kind of experience like that um, because they were so much more willing to, cause we had mm-hmm. students on our floor all the time, um, who they were so much more willing to jump in a room with the call light on and say, Hey, how can I help? Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to the students who you could tell had never done that before is probably their first day on the floor mm-hmm. and just walking in that room to find out what's wrong. And you can tell that they're imagining all these horrible things <laughs> that are wrong or that could happen. Um, they ask something they don't know, they, something happens and you can tell that fear just kind of freezes them. And so yeah. I, I do think the experience is hugely important. Um, and like I said, for me, it helped me figure out that there are so many avenues of nursing that um, that might interest me eventually as well. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk too about uh, nursing and politics. Uh, and I've said this a few times before, and even when I've given kind of the political podcast the last couple of times, I said I'm not really a political type of person. But let's talk about why nurses should care about politics from your experience. So obviously nurses are affected by a whole bunch of public policy and healthcare, and um, those things are all really intertwined. And I think that sometimes nurses just kind of get in the routine of the job and just taking care of the patients that are in front of them right that second and kind of looking just a little bit in front of their face um, because that feels like all you can do sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I think if nurses can kind of broaden that experience and not just nurses, but everyone in healthcare, whether it's um, you're a tech or you're a nurse or you're a mid-level or anyone in the whole spectrum can look at that uh, to understand that we we do advocate for our patients on a day-to-day basis, but politics and I sometimes hesitate to use the P word because it feels like you're just talking about like the back and forth shouting heads in CNN. But I think of public policy and advocacy as something that's an opportunity for us to advocate for patients on a whole 30,000 foot level, Mm -hmm. Um, especially with what you've been talking about with the nurse to patient ratio. uh, I, 
I don't do this very often because of my job, because people just kind of know that, oh, it's Angie. She is um, a certain way. But I did call my congressional offices um, after one of the episodes that you talked about on it and just said, hey, I would really appreciate if Senator so-and-so or Representative so-and-so could support this bill. Awesome. Uh, I was, but I've been shocked to hear how partisan it really is. Yeah, and, that and that was something that too. really. Yeah, because there are so many things that just are partisan and we get kind of used to that. But I was really excited for this to kind of bridge that gap to say, Mm -hmm. you know, we can put that aside and understand that this is separate. This is about um, patients and our loved ones and having nurses take care of them and not burning all of our nurses out. And that just kind of falls in deaf ears. And um so I'm hoping that the more nurses who can step up and say, you know, this isn't my usual uh, my usual gig, but this is something that is really important. I think the better off we're going to be um, because I think leaving it to just people who do find politics interesting or right. who are the usual suspects, I think that's not going to get us where we need to be. Absolutely. And I agree with that 100% as well. And and that's like when we started in our SNG and stuff, I, I made a really strong point to say I don't ever want to like be involved in in politic type things, you know, it can really divide people. But with this, it was the same thing. When I heard it, I was like, well, yeah, obviously we really need to, to do something about this patient ratio thing. Um, and I think maybe, you know, people don't want to get involved for the partisan thing for whatever reason, or also until you're affected by, you know, your grandma being in the hospital dying and you never get to see your nurse because they're running around trying to take care of other patients. You never see that like, okay, this is kind of an issue, you know, Um, And that's why we've been surprised, too, that, you know, we haven't seen as much uh, motivation from our audience as we had hoped, you know, and I think it's because, like you said, a lot of nursing students haven't really been in the hospital to see that, like, this affects you, you know, Um, the and and it's not about trying to have easier shifts or trying to have better shifts. It's about this is literally affecting you as a nurse and your patients. And those people that have come on and shared stories, you know, are living proof that, like, there's an issue here that needs to be addressed. You know, we're we're not able to closely monitor and provide the care that our patients need. So you said, you know, you kind of know how the political game works. You know, after you heard the episode, you knew who to call, you knew where to find the number, you knew what to do. What can somebody like, like myself, you know, who do I, what do I do if I find something like this nurses take DC and these nurse rallies, what do I do? Where do I start? So reaching out to your elected officials are super easy. Um, and Google is your best friend. Uh, I just Googled in South Dakota. It's uh, Senator Rounds and Senator Thune and Congresswoman Noam. Um, so it's just three. Uh, so you just Google those folks. You can call either their local office in your district or your town or your state. Um, or you can call their D.C. office. Either way, we'll get them the right message. Mm-hmm. And it's a really easy ask. All you say is, hi, I'm so-and-so. And I would like to urge Senator Representative so-and-so to support the Nurse Patient Ratio Standards Act. Um, And then the person taking the call, who's just going to be an assistant, um, you know, you're not going to be talking to the person. So it's just they're a volunteer or they're an intern. um, So they'll say, okay, great. And you can give a little blurb about this is important. When I talked to my folks, I'd mentioned that in Sioux Falls, we do have the highest per capita number of nurses. So we have a huge workforce issue. We also have an aging population, as most states do. Um, so it's really important on a couple facets. So um, that person says, great. They'll take your contact information. So you'll probably get a letter back um, <laughs> with the uh, member of Congress's position on it if they have one. Um, mm. Or you may not. But it just kind of depends. But that way they can track and say, wow, we've gotten so many of these calls. 
um, this is really something that people in our district do care about. We should take a closer look at it, um, reconsider our position if we've taken a negative position on it for some reason. Um, all of those things can happen, but that ball can't start rolling if people don't hear from nurses and people who love nurses. <laughs> so so those messages, when you do call, I mean, the, there actually is some sort of tally about how many people are calling about a specific issue kind of thing? Yeah, generally, yeah. And some offices differentiate calls versus letters versus emails. Okay. Um, so I, I think calls are the most effective because it means that they know that it wasn't some mass generated thing because there's mm-hmm. lots of organizations and technologies to do that now. But right. if you took the time to Google the number and call, it meant that you probably do have a little bit of a higher level investment in the issue. And so it's, I mean, you would just go to Google and say like uh, Congress person for whatever county or district you live in or. Yeah. Um, you can usually find what district you are in based on your address. Okay. Um, I think if you Google something like who is my congressperson, you'll find uh, probably... uh, Google has built out tools for the, your district. <laughs> I'm used to being in a state with just the one member of Congress. <laughs> That's not a thing I'm used to having to do. Let's see. I'm going to um, try that real quick. Uh, yeah. There's a find your representative house.gov. So you can go there, type in your zip code and it tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. There it goes. Yeah. I brought up my representatives and then uh, let's see. Yeah, you click on their name, Sam. Jo- I know. Well, Sam Johnson's mine. I know that. Yeah, and then it takes you to his website. And you can call him and everything. So really, you just call. It's a two-second or two-minute phone call. You say, "This is my name. This is what I'm calling about." Yeah, it's okay. this is my name. This is why I'm calling. Um, and they'll say, "Great, can I have your contact information?" Usually, um, or sometimes they'll be a little bit more abrupt than that, which yeah. is. Feels a little weird, but it's fine. It gets the same place. Let us say, great, you are a yes or no on this. Thanks. Have a nice day. Um, so they're not really like confrontational phone calls. They're right. not going to get into a debate with you on the phone. It's just you <laughs> expressing your opinion, which is the height of democracy. And that's the point of it all, right? I mean, that's what right. it's all about. So let's talk about these rallies that are occurring on May 12th. I mean, we're 10 days away, a week and a half away. What Do these rallies help or is it more about kind of bringing everybody together on the issue to kind of help us all feel encouraged? You know, I don't know if rallies themselves can pass a bill, but they can get people involved. Mm-hmm. They can get a bigger people to say uh, together that all care about this one issue and then um, to help them take the next step collectively to say, talk to your people, um, talk to your elected representatives, encourage your friends to reach out. Um, you know, since you've been talking about this, I've been talking to the nurses I work with awesome. and it's I think it's easy to kind of assume that like all of the people that you're with are just automatically clued into all of these things. It, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're a nurse, then you just automatically know, but we know that's not the case. So it does take some proactive conversation, not just with the people that represent us in Washington, but also with the people we work with every day who are still impacted by this. Mm, okay. Um, and one of the things I found during some of those conversations sometimes that I think is maybe a barrier to why people uh, reach out is that it kind of feels like this is just the way it has to be <laughs> that working short is just a built in part of Absolutely. the natural law of healthcare and there's no way it's going to get fixed. But, um, you know, these are systems that people created and people can fix. You know, you know what you're right. And I, cause I worked in staffing, um, in my hospital. So part of my job was at two o'clock in the morning, every morning I would go to the staffing meeting with all the other charge nurses and the, the, uh, house supervisor and all that. And we would talk about staffing ratios And, uh, yeah, there's not, (laughs) most of it kind of comes down to what you just said there. It's like, this is the way we do it. And that's the way we're going to do it. You know, we're understaffed and we have three admits coming and we have a trauma coming in. So 
who's going to sacrifice, you know? And it's more about that than it is about, like, we really, on our floor, we really cannot take any more people right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like, you know, I worked ICU, we had a couple ICUs, and I think the house supervisor was a little bit more, um, uh, she was a little bit nicer to the ICU people, but I saw the med surge floors just getting slammed to death uh, at times, you know? Um, and I don't, yeah, I mean, like you said, we just really have to say, okay, yeah, that's what we're doing now, but we can change this and we can make it better if people start to to voice it and to stand up and to say, you know what, it's not about me being a millennial and wanting an easier shift, or it's not about me wanting a job that I can just come and leave. It's about like, this is really starting to get to dangerous levels. And if we just let it keep creeping and creeping and creeping, I mean, we're going to see more and more traumatic stories about what's, what's happening as a result of this. Absolutely. You know, we know that, and you talked about this a little bit too, but we know that it's ultimately less costly even for hospitals to have safe ratios mm-hmm. because of the less likelihood of things like infections, things like injuries, the more staff you have around that can take care of people safely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's sometimes a thing that people think is, well, this is just going to cost the hospital too much money and it becomes kind of this shut off conversation. Um, but we know that under the Affordable Care Act, um, again, more reasons that nurses should be glued into the policy side of things. Under the Affordable Care Act, if someone has a fall during their stay, the hospital may not get reimbursed mm-hmm. for any of that stay. Exactly. So it doesn't take that many of those to <laughs> to recoup the value of having safe staffing. And let me tell you, like, fall, I, I this is anecdotal, purely anecdotal, because I don't know the research behind it. But from my experience, falls start to happen a lot when nurses are obviously taken away from being able to sit close to their patients' rooms and see what's going on. Um, And especially in a neuro ICU, you know, where I work, you have confused patients. And the second, you know, the second you leave their side, they're trying to climb out of bed. And we aren't, you know, we aren't able to restrain patients. We aren't able to do those types of things. So it becomes a huge frustration for patients, like, or for nurses that like, I, I can't be here to watch my patient, yet I can't do anything to keep them in bed. And you're giving me a new admit that's going to take up three hours of my time focused on that new admit. And it's across the hall, you know, five doors down. Um, and yeah, so we got to really figure out how we can bring this to light to, to administrative people and to things like that, that like we can decrease falls, which will improve reimbursements if we can be, I mean, that's just one side of it, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And then the other side of it is like patient satisfaction scores. Like that's, a big portion of what administrative people care about in hospitals are patient satisfaction scores. And the more time you as a nurse are able to be in a room and talking to a patient and explaining procedures and giving discharge instructions, you're going to see those satisfaction scores skyrocket. Um, so it just, it just makes sense. I mean, in my mind as a floor nurse, you know, it just makes sense. Um, so yeah, so we talked about how to get involved. We talked about, uh, you know, this bill specifically or these bills specifically, Let's just talk a little bit about uh, you a little bit more and about what, what's your biggest excitement about starting school? What's your, what are you most excited about? I think at this point, I'm just excited to start. Um, <laughs> I've had, I'm in the middle of my first of one and a half gap semesters um, because I finished all the prerequisites awesome. um, last fall. So I could do session full time this past January and February. Um, so now I'm just kind of working full time and I just feel really bored and I just, <laughs> I know that it's, it's not making it take more time cause it's just going to end up 
you know, I finished December of 17 no matter what, but I just want to start. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, you know, in that first day, it's like, it's, it's, I still remember my first day and I still remember the people that were in the room and like, you're kind of scoping everybody out and like, these are going to be my only, the only faces I see for the next uh, 18 months, you know? <laughs> yeah. We had an orientation uh, for my program a couple weeks ago and it was that it was because they put the accelerated students in my program because there's only like 16 of us mm-hmm. in with each traditional students. So it was um, a combination of that. Like this is who I'm going to see for the next however long combined with holy cow, do I feel old combined <laughs> with um, it felt like the first day of school and like Mean Girls. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way. It's no. just like you, you get self-conscious. You start wondering, like, who's going to be your new best pal? Who's going to be the person that you vent to during a rough mm-hmm. day? Um, you know, all of those things. And it just, a first day of school jitters, I guess. It really does. <laughs> no, it does. It feels like middle school again, you know, because it's like, this is a big step in your life. You know, going to nursing school is a big thing. And you you know that, like, these people are who you're going through the thick of it with, you know? Um and yeah, it's it's hard not to feel a little bit self-conscious too. Like maybe these people are going to do better than me. Am I really as ready as they are? Are they, you know, am I as prepared as they are? Um, and it can be scary, but I think uh, the awesome part about it is as you start struggling and suffering together, like you start to grow really, really close with each other. Um, yeah. And even years after graduating school, you know, I'm still good friends with, I mean, Heather, Heather, who helps with the social media and everything. She's one of the girls that I went to school with and we're still really close friends, you know? awesome. So let's talk about what's your biggest fear? What are you most nervous about starting school? Um, I think my biggest fear is that I have either, I don't think I've underprepared. I think I'm overpreparing, <laughs> but that I've underestimated how bad it's going to be. Um, I, one of my coworkers is in my program right now and like looking at the schedule, it doesn't look completely horrible. Mm-hmm. So I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop for, uh, to know how bad it's going to be. And I, I, did tell my boss that I um, can still work during the program, which the program says I can. And like, they don't make you sign in the dotted line that you can't. So I feel like that's a good sign, but um, it's just kind of waiting for the unknown at this point. But I do have to say that having an RSNG has, I think, helped me prepare and to know that I've got a community. I mean, for right now, it's kind of helped me stay sane. And that's how I came across it was I knew I had this gap semester, or gap semester, really. And uh, I had reached out on Facebook to my nurse friends to say, what would you be doing right now? If you had had a whole semester before you started your program, how would you be spending it? And mostly they said, take a break. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they did say, you know, stay fresh on your A&P, all of those kinds of things too. Um, But so that's what got me Googling um, and looking at the podcast app for just nursing podcasts. And that's how I came across you guys. And um, I listened to a lot of podcasts. My husband is a huge podcast dork. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it just felt like kind of a natural thing, but it's really helped me know that I'm taking advantage of this time, that I'm as ready as one can be for jumping into a thing like this. Uh, that is awesome. And, and it's it's good to hear back from the community. That's why, you know, we do try to bring some people on that, that reach out to us because, you know, this this really is a family. And uh, as a side note, we will hit uh, 1 million downloads today on May 2nd of, of podcast. Yeah, that's all. I mean, that's huge. You know, because I remember when I first started, I was sitting here in my office at home and I was just, you listen to some of the first episodes and I'm just kind of rambling in a mic. You're really nervous. And I didn't know what it was going to be, you know, and a year and a half later, we've hit a million downloads. Um, So it's so awesome that, you know, you and South Dakota are taking part in this. We're having people all over the world and and we are building this this community, this family. And that's what I try to refer to it as, 
because you have to have those people and you have to have that support to make this work. Because uh, this is hard. I mean, it, it does it, it. It's hard to work as a nurse too in a different way. You know, it's hard to be a nurse and and without that community that support. I mean, I don't know how. I don't know if people could survive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, your biggest fear. I think that's a legitimate fear, and you know, it's that's just, that's how it goes. I guess right. I mean. Once, once you start rolling into the semester and start meeting the professors and meeting the people, hopefully a lot of that fear starts to go away and it starts to become easier. And, you know, in a year and a half, you'll be all done, ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's going to fly by, but right now it just feels like it's dragon. Yeah, I understand. I understand. So let's talk about uh, really quick. What would be your advice to to somebody in your position six years ago, you know? When you weren't sure what you wanted to do, how what would you tell them? How would they prepare for nursing school? Should they do it? You know, if it's a 31-year-old mother, should she apply for nursing school? I think absolutely. I think if, if you know that you're the kind of person who loves to jump in and not just help people, but help them at a really unique time in their life. I mean, when you're working in a hospital, it feels like everyone has knee replacements or everyone has hip surgery or... Um, all of those things, but you know that you're impacting people in a really intense, important time in their life. Um, and I'm someone who I also, I love the science behind it. I absolutely adored anatomy and phys when I took it. Um, <laughs> and so if, if that sounds like you, then it's definitely worth taking a look at. Um, and if, if there's things that are holding you back, maybe it's, you're not sure if you can do it, you know, talk to people in the field and um, kind of get that firsthand experience. If you're not sure, um, about the finances, you know, there's people to talk to in that too. There's always a way to attack the problem once you've identified the problem. Absolutely. And I, I agree with, like, it sounds like you and I are like the same mind because it was an at and fizz that got me into it and it was all these fears about it, but it, it's doable. It's worth it. Um, and every year you put off going to nursing school is one year that you're not a nurse, you know, every, every year you wait. Um, and yeah, if I could change anything about my journey, it's, I would have I would have done it when I was 25 and thought I was too old instead of waiting until I was 30 and thought I was too old. Exactly. <laughs> you know? um, so yeah, go for it. And I'm, I'm excited for your journey too. I think you're going to do really well. Um, and I know this has been a really random interview and everything, but <laughs> I think uh, I think we hit on some really good issues that are going to help a lot of people. I think it's been great. So, I hope it does help people and help them feel excited and empowered to, to get involved. Absolutely. So what would be your one last parting piece of advice? Jump in. <laughs> love it <laughs> jump in if, if there's something that you're not sure of just jump in and do it and you'll figure it out awesome thank you very much angie thank you so much yep all right i want to thank senator o'donnell one more time for taking time out of her busy schedule to come on and to share her wisdom and her journey and her experience with nursing uh with all of us and i hope this this episode helped to inspire you uh and to encourage you to become more involved in nursing and in this career uh, and in this journey that we're all a part of together as a community of nurses we can affect so much change in the world and i hope that you guys are inspired and feel empowered to do that we're here to help you and to encourage you and to give you the confidence and the tools that you need to succeed in nursing school uh, and in life. So I want to remind you guys one more time, head over to nrsng.com freebies so you can start getting our cheat sheets, our reference sheets and everything that we send out every single Friday. We send out a Friday freebie each week, which is a different uh, sheet, reference sheet, toolkit to help you really succeed and have the, the reference and the materials you need uh, on the floor as a nurse. That's nrsng.com freebies. All right, guys, you know what time it is now. It's time to go out and be your best self today. Happy nursing.